welcome to Trusting the Covenant, faith, finance, and the freedom of having enough. Today's episode, the transformation from fear to financial peace. Today, Miner and I talk about how to take the journey from a place of financial anxiousness, fear, worry, and doubt, and move to a place of complete peace, hope, joy, and most importantly, a place where you have positive cash flow. Listen in as Miner and I talk about the difference that can be provided with Christian financial coaching for both your wallet and your heart. You don't want to miss it. Welcome to today's episode of Trusting the Covenant. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Trusting the Covenant. I'm David Safford, and as always, I am joined by our founder, Minor Ramos. Minor, how are you doing today? Hey, David, I am doing great, and I'm really just excited about uh, all the information we're going to be sharing today. And uh, just, you know, it's a beautiful day here in this area. Uh, they're talking about a freeze. So looking kind of forward to that because I haven't seen any snow uh, for a long time. So uh, maybe that'll come this time. So anybody that is uh, getting close to Christmas, we could definitely use some of the white stuff. Uh, that way, Mr. Claus can fly his his uh, sleigh around. Um, well, today, what we're going to be talking about is the before and after of working with Trusted Covenant and Christian Financial Coaching and really exploring what is the transformation that so many people are thirsty for, they're, they're longing for. And so I just want to start by talking about where are people at with their finances, either they knowingly or unknowingly, they, there's, you know, there's struggle, there's anxiety, uh, maybe they know about it, maybe they don't, but, but ultimately minor, what would you say is the problem that we at Trusted Covenant are trying to solve? Yeah, at its core, when when we look at finances, personal finances, the real key, the real transformation is positive cash flow. That's that's what people really want. You know, they talk about financial freedom and feeling, but there's it's also something that you feel inside. So it's the the intrinsic uh, atmosphere is, I want to feel peace of mind. I want to know that I can go to sleep. And I won't have to have this stuff bother me throughout the night. But on paper, right, like the, the, the actual mechanism, the result that they really want is positive cash flow. That's, that's kind of where, where we start. I can definitely relate to that image of laying awake at night when you should be asleep, when you should be resting and restoring your body and your spirit, but instead you're laying there and your mind is going crazy, scheming, like, how am I going to pay that bill? How am I going to uh, move that money from the one credit card over to the other credit card with the lower interest rate? And how am I going to make enough to, uh, and all of a sudden, you're just, your body is filled with anxiety. And and I'm really glad that you articulated both the internal and the external reality, because they're they're related to each other. It's just that we have to be able to visualize it. And so how do we, you know, we want to get to, to positive cash flow. Um, could you go ahead and just define what does that mean? I mean, we can probably intuit it a little bit, but just what what is positive cash flow? So the the result is people not worrying so much about like the living the paycheck to paycheck stuff, right? 
And in the financial news, in uh, the atmosphere in, in the workplace right now, um, there's a lot of layoffs going on, right? So, so it, it's a little bit of crisis management or anticipating some different changes. 2024, I mean, obviously I'm not predicting anything, but these are the, these are the talking points. Uh, it's an election year. Housing market, we don't know. Stock market, I mean, if you if, it, if people haven't figured out that the market goes up and it goes down and it goes up and it goes, if they haven't figured that part out, then they really need to look at the, the history of, of the stock market, right? But it's always a talking point. Everything, everyone talks about that. But internally, people are now concerned with their personal finances as far as like, what do you need to do with the, the money that you are trying to manage and where is it all going? And so there are three different levels of finance that we always talk about. So when we're talking about positive cash flow for the level one thinkers, these are the people that are struggling, you know, paycheck to paycheck and they need to figure things out. It's just going to be, can they just operate in, in, in the black, right? Can they, can they at least show or somehow manage to a positive cash flow position for the family? And the level two finance uh, folks, that's more of beginning to redirect and having more efficiency. We talk a lot about the velocity of money, the movement of money. And, you know, in level one is if you don't have money, then you're not going to move that around. So their concern is just get, make me feel happy inside. Let me just know that there's positive cash flow. Level two thinkers are thinking or should be thinking, how do we redirect it for efficiency? And so, you know, the level two thinkers are, are you know, they want their, their, their dollars to have babies, right? A little bit of growth. And then Be the level full and multiply. That's right. <laughs> and then the level three thinkers are more strategic, you know, because they have a lot more, you know, the the, the accumulation is is better. Um, maybe they're either they came into it from family, maybe they were a trust fund baby, right? And and so they 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 had they, let's say a head start. Somebody had the forethought of putting them in a good financial position, or maybe there's an inheritance of some sort. Maybe they've just been, you know, really good savvy. They, you know, their parents taught them and they're, they're either business owners or they have assets that are growing. Those are the only, you know, so, I mean, it could be somebody who has real estate and, you know, there there's cash flow coming from that. Maybe they're, um, you know, they invested into some kind of business. Maybe they're like a a, a ghost uh, business owner. They don't necessarily have to be there. They have their regular job, but there's there's this other, you know, asset that that's producing, you know, cash flow. And so now, what they really need to to, to look at is capital deployment, right? That that you see how the 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 mindset is different. Capital deployment means if there is a market crash, will I have enough to take advantage of? what you know what the, the opportunities that are going to be available if a house was worth 350,000 before and there's a significant market crash and you can you know it happened in 2008 
you know, and, and people were buying, buying houses for, you know, 40 or 50 or 60,000, that's capital deployment, you know, but, but you have to be in position to do that. And so, so, you know, some of those level threes are again, more strategic, more, they're not worried about, you know, um, the, the everyday, uh, getting to the positive cash flow or, you know, having, you know, the growth, they already have the growth. They're just moving into it a little differently than everybody else's. And this isn't to say when we talk about levels, we're, we're really just talking about the levels that people are at in terms of thinking about money. It isn't, it isn't a judgment call. It, it's not a statement that someone is, is more or less responsible or worthy or deserving. It's really just a, a description of what you're able to see and process. It's almost like height, if you think about it. Like if you're on the ground level, you have to watch out for traffic. You have to watch out for pedestrians. There could be animals. Uh, versus if you're in a middle floor, you can see what's below, but you also have a sense of what's above and you start to get some ideas. Versus when you're on the roof of a really tall building, you can see for miles and miles and you have much greater perspective. Okay, if, if you're anything like me, then minor, um, you know, I'm the I'm the son of a social worker, the grandson of a pastor. I would say that the, the money mindset in my family has wavered between one and two most of my life and most of my family's life. How do I get up to level three without cheating uh, or without playing the lottery? Like, cause, cause honestly, when you're down at my level, you're kind of looking up at threes being like, you're a bunch of jerks. You must have cheated or you must have gotten lucky and God hates me because I'm down here at one and two. What, what would you say to that, that, you know, that frustration that that's a lot to unpack so you you covered a lot of things so let me try to take uh take them as as i perceive them so the the first one is is we we want to make a note that we're it's not a it's not a judgment it's not we're not putting labels on Absolutely. you know you know different it's just you know when we when we work with clients they have a different experience so it's it's a it's a it's a financial experience and and they and, and so we talked we started talking about this about what's the transformation well that transformation mm. looks very different for the one that's just you know trying to survive mm. they're not thinking strategic and you know I'm gonna you know I'm gonna own a business that's not their thinking but that's not to say that there are other people who might be in a position where we can start talking about different ways to invest, maybe, you know, non-traditional investments, you know, different things that people can do. So we want to acknowledge that, that there is no judgment. And so what, what we do is we want to, we want to remind people that God is our provider. And so that is a, mm. that is a monumental thought so that when people start to think about that, they start to, to, to give credit where credit is due. Right. So that label is, is one thing, you know, that, that needs to go away, and but but we needed to to get to a point where we can show people that where they could be eventually. So your question was, how do they get to that point? Well, there's a few things that it's has been it's 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 historical, and you can you know there's a track record of it. Number one, you gotta know your numbers. The people have mm. to know their numbers. They have to know what their total income is, 
And we, 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 there's a, there's a step that we help people follow because some people have variable income and that's okay. We can, we can, we can get to a point where we understand what their typical income is. Yeah. Millions of people have that kind of income. So we've, we've figured out the algorithms for that. Yeah. Very simple to do. I mean, you know, I, I, and I've, I've probably looked at people's income. I'm talking maybe in the tune of 30, 40,000 people's like income and how to, how to calculate that income, you know, where the, where, where the money goes. But the second thing is, is knowing the expenses. This is the area where most people fail. Mm-hmm. And this is the area where we find the inefficiency in not only managing that money, but removing a lot of the anxiety, right? So, the, so those are mm-hmm. the two, you know, key factors. If you understand where the money's going, then you don't have to worry like that, that anxiety goes down and then you're able to sleep better. Right. So, you know, it's important to know that. Uh, the other part is, it's just the net worth. And, and this is not something that we were taught in school. So, and I want to make a point, you know, I went, I, I have a master's degree. I was never taught this, what, what the master's degree taught me to do was to manage somebody else's business. It was literally called a master of business administration, run somebody else's business. If, if people were to take their personal finances and run it like a business, a lot of these things would actually be balanced off. And so let me give you, let me give you a perfect example. Yeah. I was going to ask, how do do you mean? That's, you know, we had different case studies, right? So Let's take Dutch Bros Coffee. Let's just yeah. it's a new it's a new place here, right? Okay, so let's say so that if I, you don't know Dutch Bros is a chain. I wouldn't say it's on the level of Starbucks, but they specialize in flavored coffee drinks. If you like black coffee, like me, Dutch Bros is probably not the place you want to go. But if you enjoy flavors, hot or cold. Uh, people rave about Dutch Bros, and and Miner, you know a little bit more about it than the average person. Right, I do. I do. My my son works there, and he he right. does all the good stuff. And it's a great company, great culture. So so let's awesome. say that I go in and I start working at Dutch Bros. And so let's say that I'm a shift leader, right? I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna start working, and I'm a, I'm already gonna be a lead lead there. So I get uh I get I I get a certain amount of money that I have to manage to make sure that people get their change right, right? And so. At the end of the day, I'm supposed to balance, and I'm, I'm the 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 hope is that it's a it's zero. It, it balances out to zero, right? I didn't give. You have to count down your drawer, basically. Right? I have that drawer. I didn't give away too much, and I didn't. I and I didn't short the drawer, right? I did this as a cashier. I used to work at a grocery store, and I did that too. Think about think if if the majority of people were to manage their finances that way, that there's an accountability factor. So coaching is a lot about, about that accountability. The, the other part, the consulting is more of the, like the, what the how to, so that how do we get this done? How do we balance that drawer? You know, what are the things that we're going to do to make sure that that drawer isn't short or long, right? One way or the other we need it. But if, if the mentality that people had was to be able to take their personal finances and just run it like a business, Oh man, it, it changes everything. So now you're, now you have your income, you have your expenses, 
you have your net worth. And then what you can do with that is you can start to identify where, how is your, your savings pattern? And when, in mortgages, one of the things that we used to do, to remember them, uh, an underwriter, all, the, all their job was to manage risk. So one of the things that we used to look for was, okay, so this person has a lot of credit card debt and this person has you know two or three cars and they make good money, but what is their what is their their level and experience in saving? Do they have a savings pattern? And we looked at that as a, as a positive. We're like, you know what? Because they have a savings pattern, they have some money set aside. And so that means that if they were to fall into some kind of market downturn, well, they're going to be able to dig into those savings because they have a, a, a pattern of savings. That is one of the things that can help a person move from a, a level one thinker to a level two thinker to a level three thinker. But think about this. It doesn't have to be a lot. It's just a pattern of it, a behavior of savings, right? So now you have, you know, your numbers. And when we, when we, you know, uh, talk about how you're going to experience that transformation, you cannot go from worried and stressed and doubtful and, and, you know, headaches and, you know, constantly going to the, to the doctor because of all this stuff that you got, your relationships are failing, you know, it, it, your, your body is reacting to that. And you can't go from that to, to sufficiency and contentment and cash flow, positive cash flow, if you don't do the work in, in between. So here's the thing, here's the best way that I can explain to someone when it comes to financial awareness and success, it's a lot like me going to a physical, like let's say, you know, a trainer and they're going to teach me how to do the, the weightlifting and the, and the reps and, you know, running and whatever regimen that I'm going to go into, but who does the work? Does the trainer do the work or do I do the work? And that mind shift is, you know, people come to, you know, financial coaches and, and some advisors and they want them to solve their problems. So that we, we got to go back to how did this even start? I mean, we're talking about people that have been in the workplace for five, 10, 20, 30, 40 years. And they, these are behaviors that they have never done before. They, they've never, you know, gone in and looked at their numbers, looked at their debt, look at their expenses and look at their, 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 their awareness of where they are as far as their, their net worth has a lot to do with the way they think in the future. So really, really long answer to the question, how do we get to that level three? You can't get to a level three unless you go and do all this stuff. It's kind of like a step up. And once you do that, though, the, the transformation at level three is its impact. It's, it's being able to, to do, you know, the important things for people. We, I, my wife and I were just talking about this today. There's a need, you know, somebody, you know, somebody in the area, um, you know, husband leaves, um, the, the, the wife maybe was never taught how to, you know, manage money or, you know, maybe, you know, there's, there's a lack of money. And so, uh, that's kind of where the community comes in. And uh, they're able to step in and, and now that, that person needs, they don't need a lecture. They don't need judgment. They don't need 
a strategy like this. They don't need coaching. They actually need funds. And that's when, you know, the person that's a level three that has the capacity to be able to give back and make a difference. It's where you, where we start to see the, the transformation. And for a level three or somebody who's a giver, it's an internal thing. We're, we talk about the internal and the external. Giving and gratitude are aspects of finances that actually build more than accumulation. Okay. So those are those are principles that people learn along the way up to being a level three, where you know they're gonna be at, at a level three. I I love people that work at corporations. The majority of people do, but people that have a regular job. Again, we've mentioned this in, in prior episodes, more than 80% of them are not happy because the reason why they got the job was because they needed this position to, to just be able to pay for the bills. But there was no passion for the job that they're doing. There was no, there's no, there's not, they don't see how it changes them and, and, it, and, and they can have impact how they're going to impact the world. If all they're doing is going in and doing uh, some kind of work for this corporation, that's all they get. They don't have in anything internal that changes who they are. And so when we look at the dissatisfaction in the workplace, the way that you can change that is, is being eventually having your own company, having your own business. Because if you're, if, if some people are familiar with the, with the book, Poor Dad, Rich Dad, or Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? Um, that book, and in, in there he has a, a quadrant. He has the ESBI, right? On the one side, on the left side of the quadrant, it's an employee and a self-employed. Basically, a, a job that you go to, that you report to someone, or self-employed, you, you, you own a job. You, you, you're in business for yourself, but you, you still, there's no leverage. So on the other side of the quadrant, you have the business owner, right? And the investor. Now, I didn't come up with that. I think he was brilliant, you know, of, of coming up with that, that quadrant to help people understand. Well, that only, that only happens as you understand what happens with the, the E, the employee, the S as the self-employed. And then, but level threes, you're really going into some kind of a, business ownership where you know obviously there's a lot more growth and then let's talk about another thing that's that's i think well, can i can i throw something in there as well there there are probably some folks who maybe maybe entrepreneurship's not right for them but ministry might be or nonprofit might be where there's something that they want to do and to run that you know, maybe they they absolutely love what they do as an employee, but they still feel called to lead and to cast vision, and they need the level three mindset and the resources, the you know, the capital deployment to put that ministry uh, into action. And so, because I was just thinking, like, you know, not everyone can be a business owner. Like, at some point, we have to have employees. But the nice thing is, is that there's this thing called time, and you have generations of people moving through the workforce and the marketplace and business owners tend to be older employees tend to be younger. And so it doesn't mean you have to be an employee forever. It doesn't mean you have to be a business owner. The moment you get out of high school or college, there, there, it's a journey for everyone. Um, 
but I, I love what you're saying there, Minor. And I just I want listeners and viewers to realize that like God is going to give you specific, you know, calling or specific gifting or or just plant seeds in you that can blossom in all sorts of ways. But those seeds can't bloom until we start climbing these levels, climbing up that building of perspective when it comes to money, is if all you're doing is dodging cars in the street, you're never going to get any kind of enterprise off the ground to have any impact whatsoever. And, and, and that's really what we, we ultimately want this to be about. It's more of the intrinsic turned extrinsic, which is tangible impact on a broken world where things are being made better through recreation and healing. So anyway, thank you for letting me have a little tangent there or follow up. Yeah, I, I, I want to follow up with that because I think you brought us something really, really important. And uh, let, let's measure in in, in, in in real time with, with GDP. So what is okay. GDP, right? Gross mm -hmm. domestic product. And in its simplest form, it's what's the transformation? What is the value that is created by an by a, by a business by an employee and there's a lot of talk of, about layoffs right now well the mm -hmm. only reason why that happens is because there's not enough gdp being driven they're being mm -hmm. created i think it's brilliant that we start to to start to, to look at how god has gifted us um and and i i make fun of this like if you put me in front of a a detailed application that, you know, that needs to be followed. Something's going to be missing. Like it's in my mind doesn't work that I, I can't slow down enough to take care of those, those little details. There are some people that are administrators, somebody who might be a, you know, an office manager or something, somebody like that. Guess what? A business needs somebody like that to be able to, you know, to, to, you know, keep the business going. But does that person have the ability to be a business owner? Well, there's, there's other ways that they can create that ownership. What if they were part owner of a company, right? What if, what if their effort was rewarded in, in some kind of equity in the company? I mean, uh, maybe even a partnership in, in the company because of their ability to, to, to transform. You know what? I heard something really crazy. We are literally in the era of people going to job interviews and having nine interviews within the same company for the same job man as a former hr guy i'm going to tell you i don't know i that just doesn't make sense to me the math doesn't make sense so they're either collecting data or maybe training some of the new you know a, you know uh, the new managers on how to you know have interviews but what what does that do to the individual who's trying to look for a job so we're talking about layoffs and people getting retrained and maybe you know, underemployed. And so the, when, when we're talking about the GDP, they, you, the only way that you can control the growth is by creating companies, right? So you, mm. you create a company that brings value to the marketplace, it solves a big problem, and you can see that, you know, the, the growth in the company, that's, got, that's why small businesses are the rock stars of America. They're the ones that had a dream of, of, of having an impact. But the, the, the challenges they might have is access to capital so that they can you know, grow more, right? Um, they might have the, the challenges of, of the workplace. What's happening right now where 
you know, they can't find the the employees that we used to be able to, you know, to, to have. It's harder to find employees. It's harder to retain them. It's harder to, uh, you know, work, you know, with, we're now probably working with four different generations in the workforce. There's still some baby boomers. There's the best generation in the world of Gen X. I'll wait for the pause. Uh, you know, then you have the millennials. And then, you know, think about this. The 16, 17 year olds, that, that generation is generation Z. Z, exactly. I think right? it's Z. So now you have you have a generation Z employee who was raised with a with a device in their hands and all they know is technology and they got to talk to the baby boomer like in the same workplace think about how that you know that's changing the dynamics in the workplace so when it comes to basically being in control of your own gdp as as an employee a taxpayer whatever you want to call it uh there's a lot of risk involved in depending on other companies with their own agendas, their own goals. And like you said, nine interviews, I, I've heard these stories of, of people just being run around for months and months on end and then being ghosted mm -hmm. after six, seven interviews. They'll hear nothing. And they're they're rightfully furious. And so I think what our, our listeners need to take away from this is that a level three financial thinker learns how to create their own economy how to create value that cannot be replaced by another employee, either by creating their own company or their own nonprofit and generating, you know, donations and funding that way, or their own ministry, or, and you mentioned this earlier, private equity, the idea of, I don't, you know, maybe I don't have an idea or a calling to start a business, but I know a whole bunch of people who do. And so I'm going to become a partner, uh, an equity shareholder, something like that and be the fuel that gets the rocket off the launch pad. Yeah, and, and I think that that's, that really summarizes it really well, um, is owning our own GDP. And, and no one really talks about that. And if you really think about it, um, you go to a, a corporate job, you don't know if you're going to be on that list. And so what do you do? Let's talk about crisis management just a little bit to kind of, you know, finish it off is, is that if, if you control it and if you have some some say in in what happens with you know with your job or your ability to earn an income and create gdp well you you're sort of going to control the narrative a little bit you know and and be able to to create that and maintain that positive cash flow position for your family again you know knowing that you're 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 going to have that peace of mind you're going to have the ability to, to, to thrive. Your health is going to be better. Your relationships are going to be better and you're going to be able to, to move forward. Um, knowing that uh, you have some really, really unique God-given abilities to change the world by providing solutions to some really, really huge problems in the world right now. And uh, you know, just taking, taking some of the, the information that we just talked about, I mean, if you were able, you know, to to somehow impact someone who was in the job market and help them either to move into a different industry or maybe network better, uh, more efficiently, because there's positive and negative aspects of networking. Um, you know, it's, it, it unfortunately when when there's a job 
that's already given to someone because they know someone. There's nothing you can do. There's there's no networking or interviewing you know processes that's going to get you that job. Unfortunately, that happens and everybody knows it, right? But so what do you do? Uh, well, you start to look at your abilities. You start to look at how God has wired you and what you can do to to advance that either through some kind of you know developing your and increasing your ability to be in the marketplace and, and control that GDP. Or if you are in in a position where maybe you're level two and you you want your 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 dollars to start to have babies, maybe investing into a company that that uh, causes the curiosity of your your the way that you, you look at that company with the vision and the goals that that matter to you. And that company is is going to solve a problem in the world that you have a value and that you see that you would like to get behind that company, then you can, you know, invest in that company and help it grow. And, and therefore, you're doing your part in increasing that GDP. So, you know, there's so much that we can really, you know, go into this. But I think that it's awareness and knowing the numbers, going into those numbers that we that we talked about, and then just knowing where you are and where you need to move to next. I think a great way to uh, wrap up this conversation about this financial transformation in, in financial transformation in a Christian context is, you know, we've, we, I think we've spent enough time talking about what positive cash flow is that it, it's, you know, these layers of you're in the black to you're actually not just making money, but keeping money. And then you're deploying money at, at level three, you're sending money out on mission to get stuff done. But you know, we have from the beginning branded ourselves around this idea of heart change, heart transformation. And, and you said something before we started recording this podcast, but you, you mentioned some other, um, you know, kind of faith-based uh, coaching, financial coaching out there. And we're saying, you know, why doesn't it work for most people? And you said it's because it's behavior modification. It's all about well, you're doing this thing and this thing is dumb, so stop it. And could you just kind of bring us home by talking about what does it really mean to have your heart transformed in this? Because, you know, we can do the numbers, but I can figure out my income. I can find out my expenses. I can find out my net worth. I can work really hard to go up from level one to level two, and then even set some goals for level three. Oh, I'll start a business or I'll do this or that. But none of that really has anything to do with my heart. So Talk us through that of the heart transformation. Yeah, no, that's a. I think that's a really good segue, and um, you know, and and I'll give you a very very quick case study. And I've had a I had a client that came to me, and you know, first like you know they wanted to file bankruptcy. We looked at the numbers, were like you, there's no way you're going to file bankruptcy. I mean, there's a, a succession of things that you you know that you can do. You don't need to file bankruptcy. And so later on, um, you know, as as they implemented the you know the information that we put them through. Um, I mean, I'm I'm getting phone calls and texts. Oh my goodness, thank you so much. You know, my I did exactly what you did, what you told me to do, uh, the the advice that you gave me, and um, you know, my my credit is 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 going up, my credit score is going up. Um, all of this is happening. I feel so good, and that was really the transformation that a lot of people are looking for. So, from from the conversation we had before to the conversation we're having later, you know what saddens me the most. A few years later, they were in a worse situation than they were when than before we started. 
And it was because we, I, at that point, wasn't dealing at this, but coming at it from the heart and trusted covenant literally, literally means that a covenant is a more than a contract. It's a, we're going to go through this with you until you see that transformation. It is not transaction based. It is not, you're not just a number, but you have to do your part. You have to do the, you know, your part of, of, you know, there, there's so many things that we can do. We don't put you in a box and tell you to, and tell you to, you know, to, to sell everything and to cut up by your credit cards. And probably one of the worst advices that you can get is just if, you know, to, to just stop it, you know, just like that. Those are the things that allow people the mechanism to get to where they want to go. But if the heart doesn't change and the person's uh, uh, willingness, so we let's talk about ability and willingness. The, the ability you have once you make a decision to change, because you've looked at your financial situation, you say, you know what, I just need somebody to help me get there, but I know that I can do it. And then the willingness is, are you holding on to the belief that God is your provider, that you can, then you can see this through because you know that you, you, you've given him that. And then I'll, I'll wrap it up with this. One of the concept, concepts that we have is to be able to give a, a person to creating a deed that they surrender over to God. Think about this, like, you know, my name, you know, I surrender, you know, that, that the Chevy or the Jaguar, the, the little house or the big mansion, the 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 ten thousand dollar four hundred one k or the hundred million dollar you know uh, asset, I surrender all of that to God, and why do I do that? Because it's all His anyway. We are to live a fruitful life and make an impact for the time that we have here on Earth, but this is not our destination. I mean, I just hope that people they need to understand that whether you live for you know forty, fifty, sixty, or a hundred years. It's temporary. And a lot of people make perpetual decisions and solutions for something that's very temporary. Maybe I think I think the easiest way to do is just like hold it with an open hand, knowing that your heart is you have given you, you know your heart to to God to to help you manage it. And so I think that this is what this is what would help people do this, to be able to breathe to be able to think clearly, to be able to let it all go and surrender it to God so that they can begin that life transformation of knowing that all of all of that they have, everything that they own isn't, isn't theirs. It belongs to God and we're going to use it for his glory. Thank you for that, Minor. And um, if I can be a little bit vulnerable with our listeners here, all of this is actually very, very relevant for me right now. And, you know, for those of you who don't know, um, Minor invited me to come on board with Trust to Covenant and, and be kind of our, our messaging, our, our storytelling uh, leader. And, um, you know, that's all fantastic. But I'm also, you know, I'm, I've been trying to build my own business, doing my own thing. And uh, that's coming out of 17 years of being a classroom teacher. And I've, for a very long time, I have wanted to be able to step away from classroom teaching just because it's, I don't think it was ever really where my heart was. 
Um, I love teaching people. I love working with people. And I also love young people. But some of the, the nitty gritty of, of teaching has is, is never been my passion. And, and as I get older, that just becomes even more solidified. So recently, when some things didn't go the way I expected with my business, I had to step back into the classroom. And I'll be honest with you all, that was not something that I was happy about. It's something I'm still struggling with. And in, in this, this transition, I've learned two things about God as a provider. And, and I hope that these are encouraging to you, especially in the context of what Minor is encouraging us and teaching us with remembering to breathe, remembering to think clearly, and then to trust that God loves you. And so the first thing is just that, is that at some point you have to make a decision that either the creator of the universe loves you or hates you. I don't think he's ambivalent about you. It's you don't you don't send your son to die on a cross for people that it's like, meh, I don't care. So either he loves you or hates you. And scripture is pretty darn clear that there is a character out there trying to convince you that God hates you. He's not trying to convince you that God loves you. So logically, and again, it actually helps me as an emotional person to fall back on some logic when I'm feeling overwhelmed. It's that narratively, very clearly, God loves me very, very much and wants to provide for me. But then the second thing that I'm learning, and this is so important for some of us who have a lot of guilt and a lot of shame about money and about other things, but I definitely have it about money because I grew up as a level one, level two thinker. And I think that's something else. I think level one thinkers have the most guilt and shame because there's the highest consequences. When we screw up, it hurts a lot more versus if you're level three and you have a massive reserve, you can usually deal with small issues with a quick flick of your pen or swipe of your credit card. But anyway, I struggle with a lot of guilt and shame. And what I've learned is that our God is not petty. He is not, not human in that sense. And, and that's good news too, because Jesus, if you, if you read the four gospels, Jesus was never petty. The only time he was seemingly petty was with a fig tree that he cursed when the fig tree didn't give him figs. But it turns out the fig tree was actually a symbol of the temple. And that's a whole different thing. Jesus was never petty, which means that God is not petty. And I think something that Satan has tried to teach me about money is that anytime I screw up, if I see a vehicle I desperately want, if I see a Rivian truck on I-40 going through Knoxville, and I'm like, oh, I want that truck, my subconscious tells me I shouldn't have coveted it, I shouldn't have wanted it, God is slapping me for my sin, and my business isn't going to be successful, and my students are going to be a bunch of jerks and so on. And that's a lie. Mm -hmm. That's not true. And so in this heart transformation, it's not just about money, but money is really the, the part of the iceberg that's above the water. It's really easy to see how we spend, how we save, but it's all connected to what's under the water. And what's under the water is who you think God is compared to who you think you are, yeah. how you think you deserve to be treated by God. And so part of getting your money right is getting your story right. And that story has a savior involved. And Miner and I are actually going to talk to you about that savior 
Um, and it's not about what you should or shouldn't do. It's about the why. It's about where our trust is. Because I love how you put that minor, that it could be a shack or it could be a mansion, but we have to surrender it. And it's one of the hardest things to do. And yet the tiniest little house and the biggest mansion can be an idol. My little Honda Civic Hybrid can be an idol and so can a Rivian truck. Um, it's all relative. You know, we, we quoted it the other day in one of our episodes, that's the dollar that makes you forget the Lord or the dollar that makes you curse the Lord yeah. if you are full or hungry. So anyway, um, I really appreciate you uh, taking us to this place of, of talking about our faith because that's really what it's ultimately about. Yes. And thank you for, you know, sharing your, in a vulnerable way, the, you know, your own experience is almost like a, like a testimony, you know, of, of, you know, what the, the clients actually go through. And, and we don't have, we don't have the time for me to, to tell you all the failures and, and all the successes, but, you know, there's a lot of it too. And, and I think that that's what makes it possible for us to work with people that we've been down in the trenches and we've experienced all of that or some variations of it. So, you know, we can certainly, you know, sympathize with people and uh, help them to get on that track, you know, that God all wants, God wants us all yeah. to be able to get on. So it doesn't matter who you are or, or where your finances are at. Um, minor can definitely help you and trusted covenant can be the game changer for you, whether it's just getting in the black every month and having that positive cash flow, whether it's, you know, overcoming the threats to your legacy and, and, you know, dealing with the government and creditors and predators who may be coming for everything you've worked for. If it's just simply you, you know, you make six or seven figures, but you can't sleep at night, you know, that, that is more people than you might think. <laughs> if you're like me and you're like, I make a government salary. How can people not sleep if they make a million dollars? There are lots of millionaires who feel broke. It's, it's all that heart. It's, it's not the size of the bank account. It's the heart behind it. So uh, any final words for us, Minor? May, may God uh, grant us the ability to trust him fully. Amen to that. Well, Minor, thank you so much for your time today. And thank you to you for listening to Trusting the Covenant. We'll be back next Monday with another episode. Catch us on YouTube or Apple Podcasts and don't miss another episode where we are taking you towards that feeling, that freedom of having enough. Y'all have a great day.